If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Laura. Laura's from New South Wales and has a gorgeous son called Liam. Welcome to the podcast tonight, Laura. I would love to start by understanding what you went through to decide to become a solo mum by choice. Obviously, like I've been single for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always said to my friends, oh, you know, if I get to 30 and I hadn't met someone, I'll, you know, look down that path of, you know, having a baby on my own. And um, I went through like just small medical scenarios just with like weight issues and hormone issues so I went and wanted to get that sorted first because like I really want to be fit and healthy and go down that path you know the best possible option so you know I I did all that first and sorted that out and had you talked to like a fertility specialist or something before you tried to sort that out or you just knew that that was something you needed no, to sort out? No, like I just kind of thought I don't want to be like, I don't want to be overweight. Um, I was seeing an endocrinologist and so she obviously was like, okay, well, if you don't change all these environmental factors and so on and so forth, like it could impact your fertility and this, that. But fertility and having a baby wasn't so much at my forefront. Like that wasn't my whole drive. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like I just want to start being 30 and being as healthy as possible because I've never been like that before. Yeah. Um. It was like a short, short-term scenario. Um, I like piled on like thirty kilos in a matter of like ten, eleven months. Oh wow! And doctor, what is going on? And yeah, that's when they just found out like I had a whole heap of um, yeah, like high cortisol, polycystic ovary syndrome, hepatic system, my liver, um, good metabolic syndrome, obstructive sleep apnea. Um, and that all just happened in like 11 months yeah like it was all wow like I just kept going to my doctor I was like I'm eating well I'm going to the um I'm going to the gym I've got this that and everything else going and I said you know what they were saying the ads if you're having trouble losing weight see your doctor and I was like what's going on so they did blood tests and they said oh you know you've got insulin resistance and you've got this and just all of those factors and I do know that some of those factors contribute to pregnancies and stuff you know they're a bit like inhibitors so 
yeah, so I decided to get that sorted first because I was like, right, let's get this out of the way. Then I did the whole dating. I'm like, okay, I've lost a bit of weight, got a bit of my confidence back, let's yeah. see what's out there. You know, I even went as far as joining in harmony. Look, yes, you do. <laughs> you do. I was like, okay, right, I'm not even going to bother with all the unpaid ones. Going to pay the money, pay the six months, filter out all the BS, you know. Yeah. And, um, well, I did meet someone quite nice and I thought, oh, you know, he's really lovely and he's got a good job and his head was screwed on but he kept doing the whole oh you know I'm so busy with uni I'm doing my master's like I just haven't got time for anything I was like okay no worries he's like oh I don't want to take you off the market but not fully lock you down I was like right okay whatever and I just was kind of like well I'm not looking for friends I've got plenty of those thanks And I just let it go on its way. And then about four or so months later, he's like, hey, how are you going? Are you still single? And I was like, yeah, but what do you want? And he's like, I've finished my master's now. I have time. I'm like, okay, <laughs> So you've got time for me now. And then it just kind of like one to two months into the whole dating and stuff, he just was like, oh, you know, I just don't know. And I was like, oh, I'm done with you. If you just wanted to like have a fling or whatever, just Join Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be paying the money for eHarmony if that's all you want. Yeah, yeah. get off eHarmony because people are serious. So, anyways, after that, that was like literally, I think maybe September, October. Mm-hmm. And by the January, I put my feelers out. Okay. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm done. I spent two years seeing if I could date, see if I could meet people, get the confidence back, go out here and just, you know, go to the parties even. Um, like birthday parties, you know, you meet people at a barbecue, at a birthday, blah, blah, blah. Just what do my friends say is um, nev- never say no to an invitation because you know, never know who you might meet. I was like, well, yeah, and that's that's how I was. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I did, you know, I met someone that way as well, but it just, just didn't eventuate. Yeah. And um, I don't know if it was a pressure thing, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, is this person going to be my baby daddy or is it going to go somewhere? Is the time, like, ticking so to speak but then yeah I was just like oh can't be bothered and then in January January 1st New Year's Day 2019 I was like this is it I'm gonna do it and right. I did I guess you could say like my little ad on Sperm Donor Australia okay so you didn't go through a clinic you went through a uh, website yeah right. So what was yeah. the process like to, to put the ad on? Did you have to pay for it? Well, like it was just like a post. No, it was just like a Facebook post, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I'd been on the group for approximately 12 months, reading people's posts, reading up the little the topics, certain things that people had done, the paths that they'd gone down, you know, like certain things that they were I just kind of like was just gaining as much information and knowledge as I could. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Oh, look at how this lesbian couple have done it. Oh, look at this, you know. Oh, there's this hetero couple and the husband doesn't have a very good sperm count. Like, it's just all of the different factors that were involved. And, you know, you can ask any questions as well. Like, how did you do it? What did you do? Blah, 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 blah. And the creator of the group actually had like a, um, like even a, a home kit like how to do it on your own and right. just a kit, yeah so I was like okay and then yeah 
1st of January 2019, I just literally wrote a post to say, I'm Laura. Um, I think I said I was 30, I think I was 32, 32 mm-hmm. at the time, 32, you know, single, I work, I have my own place, da 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 da, da, da. I'm looking for someone who has similar characteristics to myself but it's not a major, like it wasn't a be-all and end-all. Mm-hmm. Um, someone with good health, no medical conditions. I think I even put... I can't remember it word for word because it was quite a while now. But, um, yeah, just basically who I was and what I was looking for. And then I just posted it up and with a photo of myself, a photo of myself as a baby, I think. And then that was it. And then I just waited to see if people approached me. Like I didn't kind of want to, like I'd noticed a couple of like men would post to say, hi, I'm such and such from Sydney or West Australia or whatever saying I can offer you you know sperm um, I'm this and that blah 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 they put up a picture of themselves and you just kind of like there'd be like 60 comments in a minute with all these people going me 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 and I was like I didn't want to do that yeah I didn't want to approach them I was like I'll let people inbox me and then yeah the inbox has started and I kind of just got to have conversations with these people and just kind of see the attributes. What did they feel about it? How did they feel about it? What did they want out of it? Did they want to co-parent? Did they want to just happily donate their sperm and say, see you later? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I started talking to my well, my donor mm-hmm. and I made a post about a couple of months before that to the group and I said how do you know when you pick the right one how do you know your donor's your donor and someone said in there they said you just know and I was like how how do you just know right so it wasn't until like after I'd spoken to a few of them and I was like "Mm, you seem a little bit a little bit I don't know indecisive like you haven't really thought about it and then yeah when I spoke to my donor he just, he'd already been helping two other couples. He'd been helping another solo mom. He'd also been donating through the clinic. So he knew the whole process, like, from both sides. Um, and I just, I don't know, it re- really is what they say. I just knew that he seemed to be the right fit. Right. Did you have some yeah. uh, red flags approach you that you're like, well, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I had um, one. Where was he? I think Brisbane, from mm-hmm. Brisbane. And he's like, oh, I, I can fly down to you. And um, I said, okay, yep, no worries. And I was like, oh, so do you have, like, family limitations? Oh, look, whatever you want. And I was like, right. And I was like, do you have um, prerequisites? Oh, no, 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 like, whatever you want. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, but this is just as much as your journey as it is mine you have to have something like where are your guidelines what are your prerequisites like do you only want to have two families involved in this do you want this do you want that like he just couldn't answer these questions and that's why I was like you're really not in this for the right reasons um and as much as the as much as the admin person tries to vet them you just can't always like yeah and I know like 
that could probably put a lot of people off. But for me, I was kind of like thinking I don't have money to do IVF Mm -hmm. and I had no known issues with fertility. Um, So I was like, I'm just going to give this a crack. And then if it didn't work, then obviously I'd head down the fertility specialist. Yeah, I just started talking to my donor and hit it off. It's really good. So if anyone else is going down the same path as you, are there any questions that you think that they should ask potential donors to help weed out the the dodgy ones and potentially get a good one? So this is like nothing against those who do it, but I found that those people that post that they're willing to do AI, artificial insemination, or NI, natural insemination, I just kind of think, yeah, yeah, I think to myself, I'm like, Mm, yeah that's just kind of a little bit of a red flag because that opens up a whole new can of worms exactly and legalities as well because Mm. as soon as there is natural insemination they are in the eye of like legal australia it's you're the father Mm. you're not a donor anymore at that point we're no longer a donor exactly um so anyone that had that against their thing i was like nope no, thank you. Um, another thing was the fact that when I did ask, I was like, okay, so what's your limit on families? Oh, oh I have no limit. I'm like, mm, nope, thank you. Red flag. Like, yep. <laughs> yes, red flag. Um, certain things. What's another red flag? Oh, yeah, just when they say, oh, let's just do whatever you want to do. Mm. I think just think about that, like they're literally just, Kind of like they just wanted to get their seed out there. Well, they haven't really just, thought of the implications of a child, the results from this, exactly, like wanting to get contact exactly. with in the future. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, my donor was very clear. He says, I'm helping two people at the moment, a couple and a solo, and I've now offered you. And then whatever children come out of that, that is it. Okay. Like, he's not helping anymore. Only other children that will come out of him would be for him and said future partners. That's it. Okay. Like future family. And I was like, that's pretty good. I can handle that. And he goes, I don't want to have my seed here, there and everywhere. I don't want to have a binary of children hitting me up when they turn 18. Like, I don't particularly want that. Um, He's like, I've got the person. And he does. He's got the personality. He's a volunteer for SES. He donates blood like he's a very giving person and I think that's just the path he was like I've got something that I can help people with so I was like okay I can handle that that's like a nice attribute to have you know so you worked out he was the one and then yeah how did you progress did you have some sort of legal documentation or so in the eyes of the law um mm-hmm. and an agreement drawn up doesn't hold doesn't hold up in court but it's more so just a piece of paper to say kind of like a stat deck type of thing you know like at the time that you have the conversation you agreed upon x y and z so i managed to find a um a donor contract online i downloaded the template and i read over it and obviously there was a lot of factors in there that didn't coincide with my journey um so i just went and took them all out amended it and then I um, 
when we first started talking about it, I said, look, I'd really like to go ahead and have you read over a contract of just what I'd like out of this. Can you read it and let me know? And he's like, yep, sure. Send it through me to my email. I send it over and he goes, yeah, look, I've read over it. I'm happy with those terms. Um, happy to sign it. I was like, okay, great. So it was more just so that we can say on this day, this year, we agreed upon this. So if in five years' time you turn around and say, blah, 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 and I'm like, well, no, hang on a second. Yeah. We have this, remember? Like it wasn't a he said, she said type of thing. We've got it co-signed to say, yeah. And that was just I literally just got that off one line and that was more so so that I could go, what did we talk about in January 9th, 2019? <laughs> like. Yeah, so that was that was my way and kind of his way as well. He actually liked the fact that that's the path that I was going down just so it was all, the air was cleared, so to speak, with that agreement. But he obviously didn't have that with the other families he was helping, so that's interesting that not everyone goes down. Uh, no, I did say to him, I said, have you signed an agreement before? And he goes, yes. Oh. He did an agreement with, so it wasn't something that he was not familiar with, yeah. But he just said he goes, he felt confident in the fact knowing that because I wanted an agreement, like I've truly thought about this, like I've planned it, calculated it. It's been at the forefront of my mind. It's not just like, hmm, I'm going to have a baby and take a stranger's sperm. <laughs> did it have something in it about, you know, the intention that if you're any resulting children want to make contact with him or anything like that for future? Um. I think from memory, like I've got it filed away somewhere, but from memory um, it said like if they wanted to make contact that you'd be okay with it, however it would be an open discussion, so on and so forth. So when we actually um, we decided to meet in person and meet for coffee um, before any any of the obligations started, we decided to let's just sit down, have an informal chat, um, grab coffee, and we spoke for a good hour. Yeah. just about what happens when they're 10 years old and they say, hey, who's my dad? And he goes, look, I'd be okay with um, them contacting, but I was like, at the same time, why don't we just cross that bridge when we get there, like a play-it-by-year scenario? But he had no qualms about if that happens, like, oh, no, don't tell them who I am and so on and so forth. Um, we also spoke about regular meetups. Mm -hmm. So... I said, oh, would you be okay with, say, catching up at the park every three to six months to say hello? And and then that way it's like, oh, we're going to go and see mummy's friend X today. Yeah. Like, um, And then when the time comes, say, you know, when they're six or seven and they're getting picked up from school and they see all their friends getting picked up by their dads, they're like, you know, how come Johnny's dad always picks him up but I don't have a dad that picks me up or whatever, I can then turn around and say, well, you do have a dad and then I can, I don't know, I can just basically say you've met them before and be like, you know, mummy's friend X and we go down to the park and so on and so forth. Well, you know, he's he's your bio dad. Like he helped mummy get you. Yeah. get you to come to me like you know what I mean like I'd obviously sit down and say it a little bit better than that but you've you got yeah. a couple of years to work out your scripting <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah I've got some years of practice but that's basically what I wanted I wanted to be able to a know my donor mm -hmm. put a face to the to the profile so to speak be able to have those conversations if 
if Liam was sick and um, we were at the hospital, I can literally go, hey, have your family or anyone in your family had X, Y, and Z? Well, and because I'm not going to remember every single thing that is. I've got a little notepad of his blood type, his date of birth, his this, his that, his family members, like just little things like that, like my own kind of like, I don't know, housekeeping of the whole process. But, you know, the spare of the moment when your head's not not really in it, you're like, oh, my gosh, did you say that you had asthma? No? Yeah? Okay, great, thanks. Like, yeah. So that's been the benefit of that. So probably really important yeah. that you get them in real life to see the the proper vibe because I know like with online dating people can be really good in messaging and then you meet them and you're like oh no you are not like well, that. So the first meeting that, before you did all the legal stuff was probably really smart. That was another thing too because there are a lot of people that are just quite happy to kind of go I'm ovulating in seven days time I need sperm I need to get pregnant and whoever kind of says yeah. And they literally were just cool, drop it off at the door. Thanks, see ya, bye. That and I just me so much. Yeah, and look, each their own. No judgment, but that's just not. I wanted to know the finer details, as much details as I possibly were allowed to know, like how much he was willing to share, just so that I kind of had a person behind the donation, not just a. Well, this is anyone, like, you've just got no consideration for any resulting child of what implications that will have for them. Yeah, yeah. And it's been great, like, since Liam's been born. Um, He's come over two or three times. Obviously, lockdown kind of impacted that. Mm. Um, But he did come over and meet him when he was a little baby, probably, like, three months old. And he's come over again. I think once or twice since then as well, just for a visit. Um, just to it's just to kind of like break the ice, um, get Liam familiar with this said person. Um, and I was able to take a photo of them together, which was great as well. Um, just so that if he ever wants to know what he looks like or whatever, I can say, Yep, this is him here. He did come and meet you. He's not part of our family. He has his own family now, but this is the person that helped mummy make you. And so yeah. he has his own family now. So yes, siblings and presumably from the other, the couple and the other solo mum that he was helping. Is there any connection that you can get with the other siblings? Um, so he just mentioned that he did have success The other solo mum did have success, um, but I haven't really digged into that. Um, Probably, like I could probably say to him and say, look, is there any way you can touch base with her and say she's willing to have diddlings get to know one another? But at the moment, because of all of the lockdowns and everything, it's just kind of like... It's never been at the forefront of my mind at the moment, but maybe this year I possibly could reach out. Um, I don't know about his children with his relationship now. Um, that's probably a personal thing for him. Yeah. I don't Because they're not donor children, like they're his and his partner's children. So I probably would just 
leave that be and let that take its course. Um, but, yeah, I do know that there is a one dibbling, like one, yeah. All I know is it's a girl. That's all I know. Yeah. So. And have you thought about whether you'd like to have another like a, I guess a real sibling of a wearful genetic sibling. <laughs> well, originally I thought um, I would have a second and I did put it in the contract. I said like that you would be open to um, providing for uh, a sibling, mm-hmm. so a full, full donor sibling. Like, um, And then you have the said child <laughs> and they're hard. Mm-hmm. They are really hard, and especially now at two and a half, it's like, whoa. Um, and I just thought to myself, I'm like, mentally can I put myself through it, um, doing it on my own again, um, and financially. Financially, could I do it again? Although, like, financially for me, the initial process, there wasn't an outlay for that, but it's... Like, you know, it's the working, the daycare, keeping the roof over our heads and all the rest of it. I just think to myself, do we live comfortably? Yeah. And I have one and I'm satisfied with one and we just now wear our own little unit or do I bring a second in, change the dynamic and then have that little bit of struggle, so to speak, trying to house and feed and work and, you know, all that solo mum life stuff. So yeah. I did kind of basically write off the fact that I probably wouldn't have another one. Mm-hmm. But all my friends have said, you never know, you might meet someone really nice, blah, 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 you know, that scenario. And I was like, look, I've been single for 15 years without having children, so meeting someone now on my own will probably be even harder. So, you know. No, um, I still have hope. <laughs> Not that I'm thinking oh, yeah. about like, it, but there's still hope. There is hope. I I think I'm happy with one. And I always have said it to a lot of people. I think I'm one and done. I'm satisfied. I'm one and done, so I can relate. But yeah, like I am satisfied. I is that a great like he's at a hard age, but we're gonna get over that hill. And then I think to myself, well, do I want to do it again? And then like, oh I'm teething. Nope, 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 nope. Like <laughs> So, yeah, I, I really enjoying just the fact that it is just me and, me and my sidekick. So I think a lot of people ask, um, listening will be very curious, what yeah. did you actually go through to make him? It wasn't okay. IUI, it wasn't IVF. This was uh, an at-home it was job. What's involved? At-home job. Yeah, okay. So, obviously, donor came over, did his business, um, and then leaves obviously um and I just um, we'll go into the nitty-gritty I leave him a specimen jar out and a you know hand towel and stuff to wrap it up once he's done to keep it warm um <laughs> and then it's just kind of like okay all right well just leave him some nice magazines or something like no 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 I, I just basically like <laughs> and, Everything's there that you need, whatever you need. It's all there. I'm going to go and hang out my washing now. (laughs) It's just you just kind of pretend like it's not happening. But anyways, Um, and then, yeah, he basically goes home. um, And it base, 
in the little like kit that I got, it says to um, wrap the specimen jar in like a tea towel, something keep it warm, and to pop it underneath your armpit yeah. to make it warm faster. And the only reason is is because you want the specimen to liquefy as fast right. as possible. Right. Um, yeah, <laughs> I know, nitty gritty. So Love basically, it. from that point, once it's actually at a liquid state, then you can obviously tip it into the syringe. So then from the syringe point of view, once you've got the syringe lid, and I bought um, some extras, but the syringes that you can get have a little cap on them mm-hmm. because obviously the ones without a cap, you'd be putting the plunger in and it'd all just be coming back out again. Um, so, yeah, you have a cap on it. Um, and then I essentially kind of like in the movies, you prop yourself up on two pillows and legs in the air and inseminate with a syringe. Wow. And that is it. And then I just laid there for the 20 minutes like you see in some movies where they have them in the stirrups for a good 20 and then say, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's basically it. Obviously, like prior to that, I'm tracking my ovulation, I'm doing my LH test, waiting for my little smiley face. Um, As soon as I have this, like I let my donor know, like, just FYI, my ovulation is going to happen sometime within this week, according to my cycle. And he goes, yep, not a problem. Let me time that in and I'll see how to make myself a bit available. That also means that he could then abstain um, to get a better specimen, so to speak. And then, yeah, I would just kind of, as soon as I get the smiley face, he'd be like, yep, no worries, cool, great, not a problem when I go do his business and go and then that's the process for me and I would just wait for half an hour propped up and then after that the two-week wait so you just did <laughs> you just did one insemination in that time you didn't so, do like every couple of days or anything to try and make sure you got the right window because he was helping me in another donor at the time it was hard for him uh sorry recipient it was hard for him to go like several times um because obviously i you do know that they say like inseminate um say two to three days prior to ovulation is always good as well um and then to inseminate again on the day of but obviously i never really got the day of i always got the just the time before when i got my smiley face um and obviously i just took it for it, what, it is what it is. I'm getting something other than nothing and we'll just see how it goes. Um, and first time, obviously, there's nothing. Okay. And so that was our first attempt and then we, you know, waited for the next next cycle and then second attempt, wow. I fell. Yeah. Yeah. So second attempt, I fell. Um, obviously, you might need to trigger wanting this, but... I did have a miscarriage for that one. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Um, had a miscarriage for that one and I just kind of let my cycles re- get back to regular and I was a bit like, I don't know if I'm ready to try again anytime soon. And that was in the February. Mm-hmm. Um, and by July, I was like, okay, I think I can do this again. Let's do this. And we tried again. In the 
like first cycle in August, I think it was, and I was pregnant. First go, second time. Wow. And that one resulted in Liam. So, yeah, um, it's quite funny actually because uh, one of my friends, she's an embryologist, oh, yeah. and she she was like, what do you mean you did it at home? I was like, I did it at home. She's like, really? And I said, yep, I did it at home. And she's like, oh, my gosh, because, <laughs> you know, she's obviously doing IVF all day, every day. I'm injecting like, a sperm into an egg. Yeah, what do you mean you got it yeah. from a syringe in a cup? Yep. Yeah, and she's like, well, what size? I was like, a 10 year old syringe. Like, it, it's just, you know, like, and she's like, oh my gosh. But um, yeah, she was actually, she's really happy for me too, because obviously that's her passion, making babies. Um, but yeah, that's how I ended up with Liam. Wow. Did you have any weird reactions from anyone when you told them what you were doing or what you went through to get them? Um, so obviously, some friends were like, oh, are you sure you want to get it? Like, not from a clinic, not from this, not from that, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I basically said, well, because he's actually helping someone through a clinic, he's done all the counselling, he's had all the testing, the genetic testing, his sperm analysis, like, all of that has been done. It's just not some random, I met in a nightclub and I got drunk or whatever. Like, there was a lot in the background that I've been done and they were kind of like, oh, okay. I think they they felt a little bit better knowing that all of that vetting had already been done. And that so he's helping someone through a clinic that was going through treatment rather than donating to a clinic for them to use for anyone. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So she had found him on the same page I did. Um, and obviously she was having issues falling pregnant. Yeah. So she said can I have your sperm you're going to be my known donor or however it works in the clinic um and then that way she knew that his sperm was only associated to her at the time um and helping her and yeah that's basically how she did it she obviously needed the intervention and was doing IUI and IVF that way because of you know other factors um so yeah the I guess you could say she kind of did a bit of the legwork, so to speak, because by the time he'd come on board with me, he'd already been helping her for six months. Yeah. Yeah, and he was getting regular tests and regular sperm analysis reports and all that just so he could just go, yep, got it here, everything's good. And when I did tell my friends that, I think there were just kind of a, a bit of a sigh of relief to go, okay, so he's he's serious. You're not just going to be a donor and just give it to anyone if he's going to the effort to go to the clinic for her and do the test and the counselling and stuff. He, he means what he wants to do. Um, my parents was probably the... How'd that go? <laughs> so I think my dad had a few drinks when I told him and I think I waited until he had a few drinks before I said anything. Um, and I was like, so, Dad, can I have a baby? But I'm going to do it by myself. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, I've tried the dating thing and it just doesn't seem to work and I think I want to be a mum and, like, no, I want to be a mum and I'm just going to do it on my own. And he's like, okay, so how does that work? And I was like, well, I get a donor and 
you know, and then there's, and he's like, so you're not even going to have the fun stuff. <laughs> no, no. I was like, no. I was like, no, no. Um, and I think he just was like, okay, well, I don't really understand it, but sounds like you kind of know what you want and kind of made up what you want. And um, yeah, he just kind of was like, you know, typical man and go like whatever. Um, but when I told mum, like I sat her down and I said, look, mum, you know how much I've tried dating. I've told you all the horror stories. I'm just cutting out the middleman and I'm just going to do it myself. And she's like, I understand that. Yeah. I get that. Whatever you need, you know, we'll be there. We'll love, we'll love your baby no matter what and all that jazz. And, yeah, they yeah, she took it pretty well, and there was no like, why would you want to do that? Oh, you're gonna find a man, or what? There was none of that pushback, which is nice. It was nice. And are they was really supportive? Now Liam's here. Are they? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're just like, like he hasn't been well the last couple of days, and they're keeping him at home for me and watching while I go to work. And Dad would like sending me videos of him taking him out the back and he's got his little toy hammer and his toy drill and all that stuff and he's playing and we took him to Bunnings for a little drive the other day and I said, are you taking him by yourself? He's like, yeah, we're going to go to Bunnings together. I was like, okay. Hmm. Like he's never really taken him for a walk to Woolies but actually like out, out. I was like, okay. But um, yeah, mum adores him, absolutely adores him. And he just... He absolutely adores them. Like when they walk in the back door, if they haven't been up to visit for a while, he's like, oh, it's Nen. And I was like, it's Nen. And he does the whole running up to them and same with Pop. And we video call a lot because they do live um, a few hours away from us. Oh, okay. Yeah, they live about three and a half hours away. Um, so we only see each other about once a month, just depending on who's got what and where, if they need to come up to see people. But yeah, we're always video calling and we call my mum and we'd be like, oh, hi, Nan. And then be like, where's Poppy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then my pop will pop into the screen or if we call my dad, hey, Pop, where's Nan? Like, <laughs> so, yeah, he adores them and they adore, they adore him. You don't have your parents nearby. What's your support network like for just the two of you? Um, So I've got a couple of good um, girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And that's like safe. I've had to go to a birthday party. I can message them and say, "Would you mind watching him for the night?" Yeah. Um. So they're they're all mums themselves, um, with their husbands and fiancés and stuff. Um. And yeah, they'll just they'll just take him for the night. They're quite happy to help. I don't tend to ask that a lot because I don't want to take advantage of that. As you know, you feel a little bit oh no no it's okay um but if it's like a birthday or something or a special occasion I'll just ask that's all I can do is just ask um when I got COVID um my son Liam was at daycare and I was like oh my gosh I can't go and pick him up like I'm infectious what am I gonna do and I rang my girlfriend and she's a support worker and she's like yep I'll finish up with my client and I'll come. And she just dropped 
yeah, it was a client that was obviously like low-grade client. Um, and, yeah, just jumped in a car, went straight to my my house and I keep a spare key so she can get the car seat out, she put the car seat in her car, went and got him. She messaged me or she rang me and she's like, all right, what do you need from the chemist, blah, 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 got him a little ice block and brought him home. And I was like, yes. So, yeah. And I've got, Ava even got um, a girlfriend. She doesn't have children, but she's got, like, a lot of nieces and nephews. And there's been times where she'll just come over here mm-hmm. if I need to go out somewhere and just sit with him and watch him and just kick back and yeah, I come home and then she heads off. So it's a small knit. It's a small village, but it's it's a good village. Sounds it. What do you think yeah. is probably the most challenging thing about it just being the two of you then? Um. Oh, I don't know. It's getting into bed for starters. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> getting him to eat dinner. <laughs> I think that's just called I'm a two-and-a-half-year-old and I'm a pain in the ass, but, yeah. Yeah, look, I don't know. How do I summarise this? It's the getting ready and going off to work and them not wanting to get dressed and them not, you know, just those challenges which I know any mother, whether they're single or not, has those challenges as well. Um, I think it's the challenge at the moment is not having anyone to bounce off. You come home, you've had a tough day, and you just want someone to deal with the toddler so you can just have five minutes and you don't have that. Mm. That would be one of the hardest challenges. Um, and you're not well, as you know, you just want to lay in bed and do nothing, but obviously life goes on and you just got to keep persevering and keep making those Vegemite sandwiches and <laughs> cutting up their fruit <laughs> and getting, them, getting their juice. Um yeah, I don't know. Those are definitely the challenges. So, working, actually, working, trying to balance work and daycare, and yeah. Are you working full time? I haven't gone back full time. I'm contemplating it though, because obviously I want to eventually try and buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and broker said you'll have much better borrowing power as a full time. But he's so little. I'm just, I don't know. I think to myself, if I'm one and done, I'm never going to get these users back. Yeah. So I do four days, not quite full time, and four days is enough. Uh, the fifth day, I want to try and get him into swimming lessons. So, or even just to get it done on the weekend or whatever. But um, yeah, work is hard. <laughs> it is. Is it is being a solo mum what you thought it would be? Um, yes and no. Like, I guess, I guess, seeing all my other girlfriends and their children, I was like, yeah, I can do this. This is this is hard, but it seems all right. Like, and then having my son and him being that little bit harder baby that doesn't sleep and, um just like little issues that I've had to deal with and having to take into Karatani and so forth, that side of things is not what I anticipated. Mm-hmm. You know, when they say, oh, all a newborn baby does is sleep. And I'm like, oh, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so just just little things like that, like all those little challenges that you just 
they're not at the forefront of your mind when you're thinking about having a baby. You're just thinking about all the cuddles and, yeah, you're going to have some sleepless nights and all that jazz. But And then reality hits. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's good, but it's hard. It is a little bit different to what I expect. Um, teething. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't think teething lasts as long as that does either. That's a reality check, as you would know. <laughs> Have you managed to build a bit of a community or network with other solo mums that you know? Yeah, I have actually, um, through Instagram mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one of them, um, one of them organised like a little meet and greet for the Sydney mums. Yeah. Yeah, so that was nice and um one of the mums, she came up from Canberra and I'd been talking to her since I was pregnant mm. um, and I thought that was really lovely. So we actually got to put faces to names, like not just photos and got to meet up and stuff and I've kept in contact and had another meet up with one of the mums too and, yeah, we get along really well and it's really good and we're just always always messaging each other like on each other's stories and oh my gosh how's their day were they good and well bless their little socks you know like with all their photos and um it's really nice community it is really nice and like even mums in Perth and mums in the UK mums in America like yeah there was one mum and she was in the UK and she was having a bit of a tough time and she was like, gosh, I wish you lived here. We mm. could, like, lean on each other. And I said, message me anytime because um, obviously I was like, if you're having a late night, it's early morning for us, so I'm awake, you know, doing the 5 a.m. wake-up. So I said, just message and we just always, yeah, always message each other and it was just really good. And a few, um, yeah, just a few people have been really, like, standouts standout people that I've always kept in contact like I always you know comment on a lot of people's stuff and just go oh, gorgeous whatever but yeah there's the ones that you have those genuine conversations where you're like oh my god my best friend I've never come? met in real life yep I've got a few of those yes yes and I think it's just because you literally understand exactly to the point of what you're going through like when your toddler's absolutely losing it and you vent to them, they just go, yeah, I feel you. Vent away. I understand. Like, And you just kind of take turns of who's going to vent at one another <laughs> that day. I think um, a reflection I had the other day as well was we can't really leave the house, so we have no life. So if the kids actually go yeah. to sleep, it's like we don't have anyone else to talk to, so you're probably more likely yes. to be like on Instagram building those relationships with other people yes. that are stuck at home with nothing to do. yes no 100% and I found like um when I was doing like posting my belly shots Mm -hmm. you know there was other mums that were like oh my gosh we're like only two weeks or so apart or whatever and I was like oh how exciting it's like every time I see you post your um photo I go oh mine's just around the corner too you know like it's just yeah and especially when the birthdays come around like when the first birthdays were coming around I'm like oh can't believe it we've survived a year like we've done it um we've made it um but yeah 
I think really lockdown good. probably helped build that community more as well because again so no too. one could leave the house they had no one else that really reached so out to other solo moms and it's yeah. I know in Melbourne especially it's just this amazing community oh. we have a lot of meetups and yes. yeah. yeah you guys copped it something severe but no definitely um this 3am up feeding and you're just like seeing who's online you're like you are <laughs> Yeah, just give them the night feed. Oh, good. Hey, did your baby do this? Hey, did this happen today? Oh, my God. Does this, does your baby do, and, like, just to get that feedback from them to go, oh, yeah, no, nah, they did that two weeks ago, totally normal. You're like, oh, thank God. And I don't know what it is, but for me anyway, is you feel more connected with them because they're a solo mum than, say, asking yeah. one of your couple mum friends and yes. I don't know what that's about but you just relate so much easier because you're really out all in the same boat so. well yeah that's another thing like don't get me wrong like all my friends um that have children they've been great support because they will say you know when my kids are this age I did these certain things these certain things may help you blah 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 um but again they don't they don't fully get the whole you are really really alone like there's no one going to work to bring the money in it's you going to work and bring the money in and I understand a lot of friends are being single in the past and so on and so forth but like truly going it alone is a whole different kettle of fish I think um and yeah it's this community that truly understands it because we've literally made this decision from the get-go you know whereas I think some some people you know they we're in a relationship, we just have a baby. That didn't work out. And, yeah, and obviously there, there was someone there in the beginning to help make all the decisions and give you that comfort where we've just gone, let's do this. And, they, and there's still a dad and hopefully it's a good co-parenting relationship. That Well, yeah, exactly. There is still someone support, out there. Even if there's no relationship, yeah. Yeah, and there's that break. They go to their dad's once a fortnight or have dinner at their dad's once a week or whatever it is, there's that, I wouldn't say offload, but, yeah, there's that break that you get to have your weekends. Where for us, as you know, that break is when we go to work and they're at daycare. <laughs> and it's not a break. No. <laughs> it's that's not a break. To, that's why they're meant to sleep because that's when I get my me time. So Yes, yes, exactly. So if there was anyone who was just considering whether this is the right path for them, is there any advice you'd give them? Um, don't dive into it head first. Okay. Really think about it. Really think about it. Research. Look into all avenues. Figure out what's going to be best for you. Just because one thing worked for someone else doesn't mean it's going to work for you. It might not be your path and so on and so forth. Um, I find some people try to sway you mm-hmm. and that's fine. But I've always had the philosophy of, well, they pay their bills, they can do their own thing. When someone starts paying my bills, then they can contribute to the decisions <laughs> I make. <laughs> someone please just come and pay my bills, that would be nice. <laughs> Yeah, like um, it'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like you know, just like anything, I just think you've really got to you got to know what you're doing. And we all didn't know what we were doing. We just knew what we wanted, 
and mm. we just went for it, but we did it very calculated, um, regardless whether you did the IBF, IUI, or the way I did it at home insemination. I knew exactly what I wanted and the path I wanted to go down. Um, and I think if you're feeling a little bit humming and ari, sit on it. Just sit on it just a little bit longer because you don't want to, I don't know, you don't want to do it and then feel as though, oh, I wasn't ready and you can't take it back. You can't take it like, back. Like once they're here, they are here. So, yeah, that's my only advice really. Um, I think if you join the communities on Facebook and through Instagram, oh. there's so many people and they're all willing to, to answer your questions and be supportive as well. So yeah. ask, follow yes. follow many and ask away and just see what life it really is before you make this. Yeah. Well, exactly. Like joining those communities, joining the um, page that I was on, getting to read everyone else's experiences and the trials and tribulations, that was good too because then you knew there's a lot you of... You loitered for about a year, didn't you, before you did anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was, um, I was lurking. <laughs> lurking, in the shadows. lurking in the shadows for, I think, yeah, maybe a year, a year and a half. But I did the exact same thing when I was going for my gastric sleeve. Okay. I was on this pages for a good year and a half too, just lurking, obtaining yeah. information. So... I feel that knowledge is power and the more you know, the more you feel prepared and although you're going into the unknown, mm-hmm. you're still that little bit prepared for what's to come, so to speak. <laughs> so um, you had a gastric sleeve. Were there any complications with that, with being pregnant? Um, I ended up being um, gestational diabetes. Um, yeah. But they said that anyone that's had um, insulin resistance in the past is more likely to get gestational diabetes. Um, Complication-wise, I didn't have anything. Like I had minimal weight gain, but Liam was a porker, so there was no malnourishment. No, he wasn't under underweight um, for the growth. Like I didn't have to have several growth scans, whereas a lot of women have the sleeve. Um, they end up finding that the baby stops growing. And they take them out early because they say your baby will gain weight faster on the outside than they will being in, in utero. And is that because um, you, you still don't eat, like, massive meals because there isn't Yeah, space? yeah, exactly. So there are some women. But it, I waited. I followed all the rules. Um, I waited until I was 18 months post-op. Okay. Yeah. Because they did say get to your lowest weight, make sure your bloods are good, make sure there's no malnourishment, just make sure everything is all hunky-dory, so to speak. Um, so I did all that. Yeah, so I only gained nine kilos my whole pregnancy. Mm. Um, from behind, you wouldn't even know. And then I turn around and it was just like this massive <laughs> Um, But, yeah, just the gestational diabetes. The only thing is is that I had to have an emergency cesarean. Yeah. That's not sleep-related. Um, they did say that because I was sleeved that it impacted my milk supply. Okay. But then I also found out that because I had an emergency cesarean and because I lost a lot of blood, my body was going, well, what am I doing here? Am I replenishing the hemoglobin or am I making milk? So, yeah. Many factors that could have caused it. Well, exactly. There's so many factors. But, yeah, nothing the gastric sleeve could have done at all. 
Yeah, no complications in that. Just obviously Liam was not happy being induced, didn't like the drugs, and was like, cut me out. I was like, okay. The gastric sleeve really just, it got me to where I wanted to be, and everyone says that when you've got the high estrogen levels in your body and all the rest of it, it impacts your fertility. So by getting all that sorted first, I guess that put me in the front foot of falling pregnant as easy as I did. Yeah, well, you, you were very lucky with how quickly it took. Yeah, so I know. Obviously so, doing all the, the prep work first to make yourself as healthy yeah. as possible really helped. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story tonight. I know a lot of people are going to be really fascinated about uh, how you went about conceiving your gorgeous Liam. Um, yes. And, yeah, I look forward to seeing what happens with you guys in the future. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. I'm Alicia, and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.